Today we're uh, looking at the last message in this series that I've been preaching on about areas of patchy fog. And again, we're in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. And again, if you ch- touch the uh, church out for the Bible, it'll open up there for you. And uh, as we're uh, looking at these uh, scriptures this morning, as we're winding down, just as a reminder about fog, when we come into a fog when we're driving, when you hit into a fog, it uh, causes you to lose your visibility and it'll cause you to act different and react different because you have lost your visibility and it's kind of distracted your direction that you were going. And today I want to preach the last message about breaking through the fog. When you get into a fog, the greatest thing on your mind is I want to break through this fog before I have an accident or before something bad happens. And so this morning in this last message, I want to talk about what it takes for us to break through the fog. And we're going to look in 2 Kings chapter 5 about a man named Naaman. He was a uh, military leader, but he had acquired leprosy. And so everything had dramatically changed in his life. And some of the things that happened in Naaman's life to where he gets to the point of breaking through the fog and getting healing in his life really kind of gives us the answer to some steps that we've got to take to get through fog in our life. And remember, a fog can occur when maybe something devastating has happened in your life and it kind of just throws your life into a fog. You're not seeing things clearly. Things are kind of confusing for you or maybe you're doing things that you've kind of got into a fog of and you're not even really realizing what you're doing. You act differently because you've lost your visibility, you've lost your directions. Sometimes it's a devastating event that'll throw your life into a fog. Sometimes it's a series of different things that kind of happen that just kind of seems to wear on you and cause you to kind of drain down and you lose your clarity and your visibility about your life and you kind of go into a fog. And again, as we look at this about Naaman, he's a military leader and uh, he, he's, need, he's got leprosy, so he's needing to be restored. And as we look in the scriptures, we'll see that Elijah tells him to, Elijah is a prophet of God, and he tells him to go dip in the Jordan River seven times and that he would be restored and be made clean. And as we look at these uh, scriptures, I want to kind of focus on the series of things that happens in Naaman's life that really tell us the steps that it takes to get out of a fog in our life, to break through, but also what for Naaman these seven dips could represent. Because as I looked at the scripture and I looked at his reactions to what all was happening, I saw seven things that he really needed to be cleansed of before he would get to the point of finally breaking through and getting the healing and the uh, cleansing that he needed from his leprosy. So let's look at this together, and I'm going to read this out of the uh, New King James Translation. And again, it's in 2 Kings chapter 5 and beginning in verse 1. It says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory in Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Now, as we pause there for just a second, we understand that the Syrians have been against the Israelites, God's people. And at some point, they had done a raid, and it ended up that Naaman, the commander of the army, had taken this young lady to be a servant in his house. And uh, she basically waited on Naaman's wife. So she's got a very close inside connection with Naaman and his wife and his family. In verse 3 it says, Then she said to her mistress, which means this Israeli young girl, says to Naaman's wife, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, 
for he would heal him of his leprosy. Now you can imagine that if you were Naaman's wife, she has suddenly got your attention because she says, if the master, which is Naaman, if he could just go and see the prophet that is in Samaria, I know that he could get the healing, the breakthrough that he needs in his life. Because you can imagine him being a commander and being in great power and being over the Syrian army. He had probably exhausted all the different things he could do to try to get healing and nothing had happened. And so he said, she says he could be healed of his leprosy. Man, that would catch your attention because leprosy was not only a flesh-eating disease, but it was to be point of death eventually. And so verse 4 says, And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. So Naaman gets word of it. He goes and sees the king and said, This Israeli girl says, If I go to Samaria, the prophet there can heal me. So verse 5 says, The king of Syria said, Go now. And I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman departed, and he took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, and this is a letter from the king of Syria, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And so the letter went from one king to another. And so the king of Israel, he has no clue what's going on here. So verse 7 says, And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So the king thinks he's trying to stir up a fight with him. Verse 8 says, So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and his chariots, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. So this is a big, uh, big approach to Elisha's house. Here comes Naaman, the commander, with all his horses and his chariots, his entourage that's with him. And so there's a big cloud of dust that has just showed up at Elisha's house. And verse 10 says, Then Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. So Elisha doesn't even come to the door. He doesn't even come outside. He says, Go tell him if he goes down to the Jordan, dips in it seven times, he'll be healed, he'll be restored, and he'll be clean. Here's how Naaman reacts to that in verse 11. But Naaman became furious, and he went away and said, Indeed, I I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. So Naaman already had a preconception in his mind, when I arrive with my big army and my big entourage, he'll come out, he'll make this big speech, he'll wave his arms around, call upon God, boom, I'll be healed. The Bible tells us in verse 12 that he went on to say, And are not the Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash, and be clean. 
And so he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. It was quite a, some steps, some stages that uh, he had to go through before he finally got to the point that he gave in, but he broke through the fog. He got the healing that he needed in his life. And as I said, there were about seven things that were kind of fogging up Naaman's life, but I want to look at the first three things that I think are the essential steps to where when you're in a fog in your life to break through. The first step is this. If you look at Naaman, he had to humble himself and acknowledge he had a problem he could not solve himself. A lot of times the first step for us to break through the fog in our life and to get to where we can get healing and restoration and get our life back on track where we're seeing things is we've got to humble ourselves and get to the point that we admit that there's a problem we've got. We can't do it ourselves, so we need someone to help us through that. Now, sometimes it's just making some changes in your life, but for Naaman, he had to get some advice from someone else. So here's Naaman. Humbling himself was a big step because he's the commander of the Syrian army. The Bible identifies him as being great, honorable, and a mighty man of valor. There was nobody in Syria that had more power than him, than Naaman, other than the king of Syria. And so for him to go from Syria to another land of Israel that they had raided on and to take some steps to kind of move himself away from his setting, from a man who had been a man who had solved problems with military force, it, it took some humbling, what we might call some humble crow he had to eat. And yet he did that. He humbled himself and he made the steps that it took to get through his breakthrough in his life. The second step after you humble yourselves and admit you've got a problem you can't solve yourself is you have to accept good advice from godly people. And notice I said good advice from godly people. A lot of times I have seen over the years people who are trying to break out of a fog in their life, make some decisions in the directions they're going to go in their life, and they ask maybe their best buddy or they maybe ask somebody else that's been through something, but they don't take in consideration the character of where that advice is coming from. It's not always what a person has experienced, but it's the character that they've got behind that experience. And here Naaman, he, went, he got this advice from the uh, young lady that was a servant in his house, and he took her advice, he listened to what she said, and when he heard the words that there could be healing for him, he took that action. Many times in our life, we need to seek some good advice from some godly people to get us to break through the fog that's in our life and get us moving in the right direction that will get us restored to where we need to be. And then the third step is this. Naaman had to take action and make the necessary changes to get his healing. If Naaman had stayed in Syria and insisted, hey, he needs to come to me and let's see what he can do. If he had done that, then he would have never received his healing. But he humbled himself, he took good advice, and then he made the necessary changes to get the healing and that breakthrough that would be in his life. Now, I don't know what fog there you may have in your life or what situations may have you kind of losing your direction or your visibility. Maybe you kind of seem stunned in your life. But those three principles are true for no matter where you are in your life. And that is, sometimes you've got to humble yourself and admit you've got a problem you can't resolve yourself. And usually that means going to God and seeking his advice. 
And then sometimes you just need to uh, seek some good advice from some godly people. Let them kind of pour into your life from their character and their experience to help see from the outside what's going on on the inside in your life. But when you get to that point, then it's essential. And this is where a lot of people get hung up. They don't ever take the action. Naaman took the necessary action to get the changes that he needed in his life. And we know it from reading these scriptures, he ends up getting the healing. Now we go back to that seven dippings. As I looked at all the reactions that Naaman had and all that happened, I saw that there were seven areas of Naaman's life that each dip was kind of a step moving him closer. It was a cleansing point in his life. It was an area in his life that had to be cleansed before he could move forward. I've asked Logan to help me out this morning in demonstrating this. We'll refer to Logan as Naaman. Everybody be calling you Naaman from here on out. The first thing that I saw in Naaman's life that was pretty obvious that he would have to overcome that that first dip I think represented and that was getting healing and getting cleansed from his pride. Remember the Bible tells us he was a man that was great, a man of honor, a mighty man of valor. All that is in his mind, and it sometimes holds a person back when they got things that they got pride in. But that first dip, I think, represented Naaman getting the pride. I'm still the man. I think that first step was maybe a baby step. For getting beyond that pride, getting pride cleansed out of his life so that he can move forward with the cleansing. And you know, a lot of times we struggle with pride ourselves. I mentioned about uh, that uh, Tasha was kind of a surprise for some of her family because they didn't know she was part of the baptism this morning. And there's probably that area of pride that uh, Tasha had to deal with. She shared with me about the steps that she had been through spiritually in her life and what God had been doing over the last year. And how that she thought, you know, my, my husband's a deacon, I'm a deacon's wife, and, I, I, you know, and all this stuff about the pride and the thoughts of where you are in life can hold you back. And so here's a question we got to ask ourselves this morning, and that is, do you need some pride cleansed out of your life so you can get out of the fog and move forward with the healing that God has for you? The second thing I see is in verse 5 is materialism. Sometimes materialism or possessions in our life, the things that we have, will hold us back from getting the healing that God wants us to have so that we can move forward and break through the fog. Naaman went down that second time. And that was kind of representation of him getting some cleansing from materialism. You see, the Bible tells us in verse 5, now we don't know exactly why Naaman took the silver and the gold and the clothing that he took with him, but he took those with him as he went to see Elisha. We know it's customary to give if you're asking for something, but I've learned in this world that we live in today that we, a lot of times we hang on to our answer. Our breakthrough is going to be in possessions. If I just had this, things would be better for my life. If I could get a hold of this, if I had more money in the bank account, if I had this, then things would be better. And so as we look at uh, Naaman, those possessions that he took with, there's a reminder to us that a lot of times we hang on to possessions, materialism. Well, as we go on through the scriptures and we come on down to verse 11, we see that when he arrives that Elisha doesn't come out and it says that he went away furious. He was angry. 
The Bible tells us he was angry and he left. There he was at the brink of getting his healing, but there was anger that was holding him back. And so I just kind of think that maybe when Naaman went under for that third dip, we're going down, we're going down, we're going down. I'm about to leave. Anger. I've encountered people that in their life they've got anger towards their family. They've got anger because of how somebody has treated them. They've got anger about how their situations in life have come about and it doesn't seem like it's fair for them. And so anger is like a big fog in their life that is holding them back from getting to where God wants them to be. Naaman had to go through that. Here's a question this morning. Is anger holding you back in your life? If we continue to look through the scriptures, we see that there was another area for Naaman and that was disappointment. This ain't working. This ain't, I've, way too much. Disappointment. Way too much. You see, when Naaman showed up, here's what he thought. This guy, Elijah, is going to come out. He's going to see me and my army, my chariots. He's going to be uh, just mesmerized by me. He's going to come out and call upon his God. He's going to wave his arms around into the sky. He's going to call God to heal me, and I'm going to be healed. But it didn't happen that way. Disappointment. Saving the electrical. That's a good thing. He, he pushes out more water than I expected. I'm a little, little bit disappointed in this plan here. <laughs> Disappointment. You see, in Naaman's mind, he had everything already figured out, exactly what was going to happen, how things were going to turn out, and it didn't go down that route. And you know, sometimes when we have disappointing moments in our life, it does the same thing to us, doesn't it? Kind of throws our life into a fog, causes us to kind of not see clearly because we're all kind of hung up in this disappointment. Naaman also had another issue, and that was arrogance. You see, if we look down to the Bible in verse 12, we see that one of the things that Naaman brings up, he says, you know, you want me to go baptize or get dipped in this Jordan River? But he said, the Jordan River's kind of dirty. And we got some nice, we got some nice rivers in Syria. So why shouldn't I go there? And he's thinking in his mind, what we got is a lot better than what you got. His arrogance Looking at what he has in his circumstances looks a lot better than what the circumstances were there. And so arrogance was holding Naaman back. We've got better than what you've got to offer. There's bugs floating in this water. Arrogance. That one up there is way nicer. Could arrogance be holding somebody back this morning that you're thinking things are better in your life than they, what somebody else has got or what somebody else has to offer? what God has to offer for you, arrogance. Naaman had another issue, and that was stubbornness. Now, I know this probably doesn't hit nobody in here. <laughs> but stubbornness. You see, if we look at the Bible and we look down to verse 13, that for, for Naaman to have to be convinced, it tells us that his servants came to him, and they said, if you've been asked to do something great, you would have done it, wouldn't you? And all he's doing is he's asking you to go simply dip seven times. You see, he had a sense of stubbornness in his life. It's, you know, this just don't make any sense to me. I'm not going to do it. And they throw the big question mark there. Stubbornness 
was what was holding Naaman back. And when he went down for that sixth dip, that sixth dip was a cleansing of his stubbornness. I'm sure. Now, if you've been counting, that's six dips for Naaman and for Logan. I'm sure Logan has been counting. When is this ever going to end? And it comes to the last thing. That I think that last dip is where he finally got his breakthrough, and that is that last dip is a reminder of doubt and fear. You see, if you were to read that verse 13, we see there's a couple of question marks in there. And a question mark means there's a question. There's doubt. There's uncertainty. And there was a lot of doubt for Naaman at that point. And I can imagine that when he went down to that river and he dipped down one time, what is our human nature? We dip one time and we're thinking, I don't want anybody to look at me, but I'm looking to see, you know, it's still there. Two times, it's still there. Three times, still there. Oh, doubt and fear, am I going to get... Four times, still there. Five times, six times. Oh. And he goes down the seventh time and he comes up and the Bible says he was cleansed and restored. That seventh dip was that final point of breaking through the doubt and fear that he had. It may be that you got some doubts and fears in your life about what's going on and whether you're ever going to break through and get out of the fog that's kind of got your life messed up right now where you're not seeing things clearly, you're not reacting clearly. But the question that I think that all of us has got to ask this morning is, what's holding us back? For Naaman, we can look at him and we see pride, materialism, anger, disappointment, arrogance, stubbornness, doubt and fear. Those seven areas were holding him back. And when he did that full seven dips, a cleansing every one. And finally, the Bible says he was restored. He broke through and everything became clean and clear for his life. What is it that's holding you back from getting the breakthrough in your life this morning? I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes and ask yourself the question, is it about time that I take the steps for the breakthrough in my life? To break out of the fog and to get some things restored back in my life and get them back on the track to where they need to be? Maybe you've, as we've looked at this, maybe you even have thought of an area of your life that maybe wasn't covered by Naaman in his life. But I think probably these seven covers most people of some area of your life that's got a fog that's causing you to be held back that you're not seeing clearly, you're not reacting the way that you should, your life has been effective in a negative way. And this morning, it's about time that you say, if Naaman can get healed of leprosy, I can get the breakthrough that I need in my life. And so as the musicians are getting the song ready this morning, I want to give you an invitation right now, whether you do it at the altar or whether you do it right now in the pew where you're sitting, to just take a moment and say, God, I need a breakthrough in my life. I need to get out of this fog. And when you get through the fog, that doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect. doesn't mean everything's going to be great in your life. But it does mean you're going to start to see more clearly. And you're going to start to react more appropriately. And you're going to see the light begin to shine. And God coming to bring a breakthrough in your life that's going to be at a point of restoring you back to where you want to be, where you need to be, and where you could be. And so while they're getting ready right now, we just take a moment asking every head to bow and every eye closed. And maybe... 
For some today, the beginning of your breakthrough is just giving your heart and life to the Lord. And so if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior this morning, if you're uncertain of your salvation, if you really need to nail down some things this morning, then I want to invite you to pray this prayer silently where you're sitting at right now. To say these words in your heart, Dear Lord, I know I've, I've made some mistakes. I feel like my life's been in a fog. But today, I, I feel your spirit speaking to me. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to cleanse me. And Lord, start restoring me back into the person you want me to be. Lord, I ask you to save me this morning. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you pray that prayer and ask the Lord to save you this morning, to give you total spiritual restoration, I want to rejoice with you this morning. If you pray that prayer for salvation this morning, would you just slip up your hand, just acknowledge, Pastor, I pray that prayer this morning. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Now, in just a moment, the musicians are going to begin to sing, and I'm going to be standing up front here, and I'd love to say a prayer with you if you prayed to receive Christ. We'd love to give you some information to help you on a Christian walk, to help you see in a more clear way. And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward and, and just really know that today is your day of salvation. And I'm, and I'm asking for some of those who, who normally help pray with folks to come. Some have already started coming, so I want to invite you to come and pray with them. Some have prayed to receive Christ, and they need an encouraging word of lifting them up. And for some others that of you have prayed to receive Christ this morning, maybe you just want to come on and come forward right now, and some will pray with you and encourage you right now. But maybe you, uh, you know that you're a Christian, but maybe there have been some things in your life that's really kind of messed you up and got you in a fog. I gave a testimony in my own personal life that, that I've had some fog in my life, and God revealed that to me, that I hadn't been acting and reacting to some things, that I had reacted in ways that uh, have been totally different than what I normally would because of the fog. You see, it doesn't make any difference whether you're a pastor or a deacon or a musician or a teacher or just come occasionally. All of us can get in a fog in our life. And so if there's some areas that have been fogging your life, I want to invite you to pray this prayer right where you're at. Dear Lord, Lord, there's some, been some things that have messed up my thinking and my actions. But Lord, I want to break through this fog. So Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to bring your power into my life. And Lord, I surrender to do whatever you ask me to do to break through this fog. If you prayed that prayer this morning to, for God to give you strength to break through that fog, I want to pray for you too. Would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I, I needed a breakthrough. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. You may put your hands down. And Lord, I thank you for those who have been open and honest that raised their hand. And Lord, some have raised their hand this morning that they prayed the prayer of salvation. Others have raised their hand that they needed a breakthrough in their life. And Lord, I'm just asking God that your Holy Spirit will be with them. God, that you give them the spiritual breakthrough that they need. God, that will restore them, get their vision clear, get their thinking straight, get their actions back on track. Lord, I pray, God, that you'll get them on the path that will give them the restoration that they need. And Lord, I'm going to give you praise and honor and glory for all that you do. And it's in your name I pray.